This week on episode 26 of Dying Alive, a.k.a. technically episode 1, because it's freaking time for the playoffs. The Penguins will play the Islanders, as we predicted on the last show. Game 1 coming up on Wednesday. Jake Gensel's a 40-goal scorer. We recap our terrible takes on our over-under and preview uh, the upcoming uh, playoff series. this podcast before we got started tonight had to hit the record button right away because takes were just firing out before the show had even began there were takes mike had a little bit of a mini meltdown i'm jesse marshall of the athletic pittsburgh my guests as always are mike darnay of pensburg mike you have first billing tonight thank you and pat damp of pens blog you didn't do anything wrong pat i just want to change it up i understand that variety is a spice of life I was just going to say Yeah, that. we're on fire tonight, boys. <laughs> clicking on all cylinders at the right time of year. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> I killed it. Um, Penguins Islanders. Penis Landers. Penis Landers again. <laughs> we're here yeah, we are and, again. And we've kind of known this was coming for several yeah, weeks. Easy. Yeah, we knew this was going to happen. It, it was either going to take a collapse from the Penguins or Islanders or an unre- unrelenting breakthrough from Carolina for anything to have changed. Well, the Penguins did, did leave a little on the table there at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they, they, they had the two regulation losses, you know, they kind of just in the last seven there, they were not, not to say, I mean, look four, two and one and seven is still good, but that first game against Detroit was a real stinker. Agreed. But I mean, I think in the overarching narrative here is they played really well down the stretch and they were arguably one of the best teams in the league post trade deadline. Yeah. And, and after they laid an egg, the first Detroit game, the second one, they came out and kicked some asses. Yeah, they did. They did. We get a noon playoff game, boys. Horrible. Uh, Absolutely horrible. I don't hate it in the first round because it means a full day of hockey. So I will take, no, it, it sucks. It sucks. Take your full day of hockey and shove it right up your ass. So, okay, so here, here's the two schools of thought. One, Penguins win, get a good afternoon nap in after a few noon beers. Penguins lose, you're pissed off from about 4 o'clock till midnight. And you have even more beers. That's, yeah. That, that's a, no, that's, a, that's, a on, that's a good problem. Get on your feelings. Uh, the, see, here's okay. Maybe I'm a little gun shy, a little triggered here. When I think afternoon playoff game, I think I believe it was game <coughs> game three, Penguins Flyers 2012, where it was eight to four. Mm, yep. And I spent I spent like five hours sitting on the couch and didn't move. I was at IUP for that series. That's when I was still a student there. And um, for those who don't know. IUP for some reason is 50 50 for the most part, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. So the tension on that campus was insane. Palpable. Yeah. Like you, you could cut it with Like a you would just be walking through campus in a Penn's jersey, see someone on a Flyers jersey, and it was just like, oh, okay. All right. I hope you fail your final. And uh, trying really hard not to punch you right now. Here's a fun fact about that game. 
I had gotten drunk and sprained my ankle the night before. <laughs> okay. I was in a brace. I stepped in a giant Beaver County pothole. It came up out of nowhere and just bit me, and I went down. That's not good. No. Dude, they're everywhere. They'll snipe you. I got sniped. And to think, and to yeah. think you said Mike was from the wrong <sighs> turn of the city last week. Hey, Beaver, hey, Beaver County is it's a rough place. <laughs> so, Penguins Islanders, uh, do we do you, here? We let's do this. Do you want to vomit out a prediction right now? Penguins in six, six, five. I want to I want to say five, but I feel like no, no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm saying six because that noon game. Give myself room for, room for plus plus one for error. Yeah, I'm saying the noon game is the is the variable that makes me go six. I'm sticking at five. Wow, which, defend, which, which defend your stance, they, defend your stance. And which which game do they lose? I think they lose one of the two on the island. At the beginning, yes, they lose one of one of game one or two. Interesting. I think they're going to split. I think they're going to split on the island and give themselves the quote unquote home ice advantage. And I, I just the defense for my stance is. You brought it up, I think, either last week or two weeks ago when we talked about the Islanders. It was last week because it was when I said the PDO thing. They have never gotten a good shooting percentage and a good save percentage at the same time. And I think that is the purest indication of what that team is. They either get one or the other, and the other is going to fail them. And I think, Jesse, you have a lot of the stats. You'll have a lot of the stats when you do a preview uh, for the Athletic. But when you break it down roster to roster and you match up these lines and you match up these rosters, it's going to be the shooting percentage that fails them because a lot of teams are going to get – a lot of the Islanders' lines are going to get buried in the defensive zone against the Penguins. But let me tell you what the number one misconception about this Islanders team is. And I foot, I stand firm on this having watched as much Islanders as possible Saturday to today. Not in counting yesterday because they didn't have any power. That's a whole other story. P- we bitched about that. T's and P's. <clears throat> anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is the Islanders and the Penguins are actually very similar in some respects in that their best defense is what they do in forechecking the hell out of you up the top of the ice. The, the Islanders, Pat, I'm mistaken. Earlier in the year, the Penguins had last played them in December. I remember them kind of selling out to play a little bit of defense. But this February to present day version of the Islanders is more of like a 2-1-2. Where they're really going to cut you hard on the forecheck. And then that third forward in the middle, that floater, is making strategic decisions on where to pressure next. And is kind of looping in for puck support, breaking plays up. Michael McCurdy... Uh, ineffective math on Twitter today posted a visualization of where the Islanders shots come from and a ton of their shots come from the right point. They take a ton more shots from the right point. And it's because they're flooding that near corner, collapsing you in on them and then throwing it back out high and just making a mess of things, you know? So it's an annoying team to play against. And, and certainly they, they sell out to protect their goaltender in their own zone, but in the, uh, in the rest of the time they're, they're press, 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 attack, attack, attack. Uh, it's a quick stating team. It's a fast team. It's a team that can check. That's what they are. And and I really feel like the Penguins are a team that can handle that. So let me ask you a question. 
How does what Barry Trotz is doing with the Islanders vary from what he did with the Capitals? Well, so he so there's really two versions of what he did with the Capitals. I would say this iteration is not the one we saw last year. In what way? So what were so last year the Capitals were really stringent on having like a third forward on the defensive blue line. So it was like a two, three, right. Where they were like still four checking the hell out of you, but they were playing another guy back and, and basically putting three against the defensive blue line. The Islanders aren't doing that, that, that middle forward. So like they'll four check two up in your zone. And then that middle forward, instead of drifting back, either stays in the middle and takes a lane away or like comes up to help and like, is it like a lingering pressure? I would say kind of just plays it by ear based on the situation. Exactly. Yeah. But not like an immediate retreat or like a sellout to get back to that blue line. Like a, like a Rover of sorts. Yeah. Their, their, their um, system is, is almost vice like in a sense because they come at you really tough initially, uh, but they keep a strong gap. Right. And then they've got that middle forward there to muck it up. And then they back check really hard. So it's like they're they're collapsing in on you, right? Then they're generating turnovers and turning the play around. So it's really quick. And and one thing I talked about that'll be on my series preview tomorrow, the Penguins have to make fast decisions on the breakout. Because the longer you you know, your gut instinct is to, you know, when you're being pressed like that, you know, I don't want to make a mistake. I want to be patient. I want to wait for the right thing. No, you got to get it out of your hands right away. Um, and the Penguins can do that. And, and, you know, I feel like every one of their pairings has a guy that can do that. So that's, that's like critical. That's the chess match for me in this series between the two coaches. Yeah, that makes sense. And I also think there is something to be said to build off something you said a little bit ago about the way in which they insulate their goaltenders. So the Penguins really, I think, have to break that and really play in the middle of the ice in the offensive zone because they're going to do everything in their power, whether it be Grice or Leonard in the net to break that kind of clog in the middle and make, make sure that their time in the offensive zone isn't on the perimeter. Uh, yeah. And, and, and you got to use the area behind the net that that's where you're going to find um, the ability to get those pucks into high danger areas is to use the corners in the area behind the net to change the flow of the play around, to get them moving and not allow them to kind of like sell out down there. Um, you got to be careful too, because in situations where, you know, and the Islanders really Pat are, are kind of like an all out press, you know, they, they don't, I don't want to give the impressions that are like just collapsing in. I mean, they're, they're taking the middle away, but they're also, you know, putting pressure on the puck sort of like that token pressure up top. Right. So if you can get down low and, and push those defensemen in, you're going to get areas right at the tops of the circles. We just got to be careful. I mean, obviously, you know, that's how the Penguins allowed so many shorthanded goals this year. So, I mean, <laughs> on one hand, you're like, you want to see that happen. On the other hand, you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe we just let the forwards do all the work. Yeah, and I think when you have Sidney Crosby, Nick Bugstad, and to an extent Matt Cullen on your roster on three of your four forward lines – you do have an advantage at being able to work the puck behind the net because I noticed it down the stretch despite him having an up-and-down season that Matt Cullen is still a really good player down low. 
He really has ability, the ability to, uh, maybe not in the same way Sid does, where he fights off defensemen and possesses the puck, but he has an ability to work the puck down low in those dirty areas behind the net and come out with either possession or move the puck to somebody on the opposite side. And then you obviously have Bugstad, who's a giant, and it's going to take a lot to move him off the puck down low. And Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. He's the best grinder that's ever played hockey. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before the show, a uh, big matchup for me is, is Crosby going against um, a Nick Letty uh, pairing uh, that it, it, it uh, really has struggled over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, since really uh, Boychuk and Letty since February, well, well, well down in the bottom, like 40 ish percent in terms of their ability to control shots and scoring chances. So if Crosby uh, and, and Gensel and, and we'll assume McCann, I think Mike Sullivan today in the line rushes through a little curveball to everybody uh, and tried something little, little, little game. Yeah, I think he was trying some stuff out, uh, hiding some things, but Regardless, uh, I digress. If it is whatever, because you could put a trash can out there, you could put me and Pat out there in a trench coat with, again with Crosby, and we'd we'd score thirty. Um, not to discount what Gensel did, um, maybe ten, not thirty. We'd still we'd still score. Point being, old trench coat McDamp making another appearance. Burying Letty and Boychuk neutralizes Barzil, and that's the big thing for me. You know, if if you take him away. Um, that's a lot of, of the Islanders, you know, even strength offense there. Um, and it's got a chance to be completely wiped out by what Sidney Crosby can do at even strength. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like if, if he's not contained, he could become a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. And, yeah. and, to, and to cycle back a little bit to what you were saying about uh, Sullivan throwing a curveball. One, I think that's exactly what he was doing. I think that was just him going. Yeah, they tweet out line rushes, and everybody follows this 24-7, so I'm going to have a little gamesmanship here and just throw my lines in a blender and not show my hand. The one matchup I'm uh, – or not matchup, line combination I want to see happen is that third line of Hornquist, Bugstad, Simone. Yeah. I think if you put those three together, we are – talking about a similar depth lineup to 16 and 17 when you had Nick Benino as your third line center. Yeah. Um, Bukestad's been great. And I mean, that's another critical matchup for me is, is Bukestad head to head with Valtteri Fopula. I'll take Nick Bugstad in that matchup 10 times out of 10, buddy. And that's the thing is like there's – we mentioned before the show there's been some national media disrespect, not to name names, but, um, you know, some it, – it's just – it's funny to see what the outside perception of Nick Bugstad has been. Maybe we're spoiled because we were watching Riley Shane and, you know, the corpse of Derek Broussard out there. Um, I don't think it's that. I, I think he's legitimately been very good. And that line, to your point, Pat, has been an absolute buzzsaw some nights. It's been unstoppable just living in the offensive zone. And that's the key, is that they live in the offensive zone. And in a playoff series, a seven-game series, even if they don't light the lamp a bunch, that pays dividends down the road because you're wearing down their defense pairings. You're wearing down the forwards that line up with them. And it opens up a lot 
for the big guns. And I'm really looking forward to see, as somebody who was a fan of Bugstad's game in Florida, looking forward to playoff Nick Bugstad on a contending team. Like he he's he feels, sure. like, feels like the kind of guy who's just built for the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely. I tweeted that out this week. I was like, "Who is your underrated?" And I got a lot of McCanns, and I Chabe, I believe that. Yeah. And I think Jared McCann's got the decision making, the hands, um, the puck handling ability, all of that. The we shot. Know, we know he's got the empty nets in him. The skating. Yeah, I mean, he's got all of it to fit right in and, and seamlessly transition. But Nick Bugstad's, you know, he had a taste of it before, and it's been a long time. Uh, since he's been back in this position, I mean, make make no bones about it. I, I think that you know, some guys in that position maybe haven't appreciated it in a way that I think he probably does. Yeah, uh, and he's making the most of his yeah, ice time, and he what? he's fulfilling a role, guys. How about that? Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing is the the best teams, the teams that win Stanley Cups. We saw it in sixteen with the Penguins. Same with seventeen. We saw it again last year with the Caps. The best teams, everybody knows what their role is, and they play it to the best of their ability. And it's nobody trying to be more or less of what they are, and that's what gives you success in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you that the Taves and Mayfield pairing um, has actually been sneaky good for them. Neither, neither of those are real people. Yeah, I know you feel that way. Um, but the minutes they're given, they do a lot with. Um, they're averaging eh, it's like 15 minutes a game at even strength. Yeah, but I, I also think that's that's a testament to the coaching staff and Barry Trotz is the fact that he knows how to utilize guys in the right position. That to me is his, aside from being pretty good tactically, he really just knows where guys fit. He's that kind of coach. He knows what role to put what players in to get them to maximize what they have. Yeah, I that that's a coaching matchup that I'm looking forward to because both of these teams are going to forecheck the hell out of one another. There's not going to be a lot of time and space out there. The Penguins are going to be challenged to skate, which I think is great. I think they can use that that early little bump, you know, Um you know, they're going to have to weather the storm on Wednesday night, guys. You know that. The Islanders are going to come out and try to punch them in the mouth right away. That cr- that crowd's going to be jacked up. Oh, it's going to be jacked up. Oh, it'll be definitely jacked up. Oh, um, 100%. I mean, it's it's in, it's an old kind of cliche about uh, what to do when you play on the road that coaches say all the time. When you play a, a team that's jazzed up at home with a, with a, with a jacked-up crowd – the first five to ten minutes, even smaller than that, five to seven minutes, just survive. Because for the first five, seven, ten minutes, you're playing on pure emotion, pure adrenaline, and then it's game time. You know, the roar of the crowd, yeah. the excitement, the moment, you th- they have that at their back. It gives them an extra boost, and you just weather the storm. And then once it's time to settle in and play the game, that's when you counter. Yeah, I, mean, I remember 2013 when the Penguins played them. Buildings rocking. They have that super loud goal horn there in Nassau. And, I mean, you let in one, you let in another, and things can go off the rails quickly in that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they are going to the first five to ten minutes on Wednesday. They're going to have to play a very simple, very boring game. 
quiet the crowd, slow the game down a little bit, you know, kind of put the put the Islanders in a vice a little bit and either let them make mistakes because they're all jazzed up and counter well or just insulate, let them punch themselves out to an extent and then make your counter. Yeah. Um, I want to say one thing. I'm going to get on a soapbox real quick. Oh, captain, my captain. The the blatant disrespect Matt Murray's getting from the media. The blatant disrespect. The Islanders have an overwhelming goaltending advantage. I'm not going to disrespect the Islanders. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where, where did we read that? All over the place. Man. I haven't seen that. Oh my god! I've seen it everywhere. Can we I, name? Can I we waited, name names? I waded through it this morning on Hockey's Future. Oh, come on, Hockey's Future. <laughs> yeah, you're putting stock in that. I mean, I'm just saying it's the chatter. It's what the kids are talking about. Because, because I've seen the opposite. I've seen that since Matt Murray has come back from injury, he has been one of, if not the best goalies in the league. You've seen that from like. The opposite side of the ice? Not from the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders have an inferiority complex this year. They That's what I'm saying. Like, we all acknowledge that in Pittsburgh, but I don't think everybody else is. Oh, I do. I, I've, I, wow. I, I haven't seen I, that. I, maybe I'm, like, following the wrong I've people. I've seen it strictly because people are, like, the, the analysis is, like, um, I will name a name. I was reading Lambert's 31 thoughts or takes or however he th- uh, phrases it. Uh, on Yahoo, he basically said like he doesn't he ha- he doesn't understand the people that are doubting the Penguins because one a large uh, a lot of guys on the roster as we know Latang Dumoulin Malkin Murray have missed significant time uh, and since coming back from injury Matt Murray's been one of if not the best goalie so they got the same amount of points they got last year they're in a similar position and the only difference is Matt Murray's playing out of his head which is exactly what you want i just i feel like the opinions i've just seen a lot of opinions that have given an advantage to the islanders on goaltending which i i just don't understand yeah i don't get it robin leonard and thomas grice we're not talking about anybody who's won anything so mike you've got officially you've got penguins in six can can we call it five and three quarters no we cannot okay thanks anyway so six yeah. Okay. Pat, you got five. Sticking with five. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with six. Yeah. I uh, I would go five if this if that Sunday game was at seven. I agree. I just can't get past that noon game. It's haunting me. What do, what do we think about <laughs> the, the two teams not having played each other in four months? I think it's great. Any video you got is old and the rosters are outdated. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're watching him against anybody. I mean, the scouting department's got yeah, it's, it's just the tape against everybody else. It's, so. it's just kind of amusing, though, because the NHL schedules these, these games now with all these division games at the end, like Penguins Rangers, Penguins Capitals, whoever through February March and now. Carolina. Yeah, yeah, except didn't get the matchup with the Penguins. Yeah. So uh, we want to mention, again, uh, gratuitously tonight, Jake Ensel did score 40 goals. And to remind ourselves of that, we're going to go back to our over-under predictions from the beginning of the season. Shout-out Matt Schaefer for keeping track of these in a beautiful Excel color-coded spreadsheet. 
And he was um, he was quick on it too. Sunday morning, there they were. He was ready. Oh, yeah, they were out. They were fresh. He was ready. These are piping hot spreadsheets. Um. So let's get started. They're good. Very good. <laughs> These are terrible. I hope you did not bet on anything we said. Brian Dumoulin was initially at three goals. That was actually exactly where he ended up. Uh, no one pushed it. Pat was over. Mike and I were under. Um, the next one was Malkin, 93 points. This is kind of deceiving because he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, he was, he, I, I did not give an opinion on this one. He was at 72. Um, but again, a lot of missed time there. Here's one that really chaps my ass. Jack Johnson, 14 points. You guys confidently said over. I would have two, and it was 13. We were and one off. What, from what, that what one. chaps my ass is he was at 13 like three weeks ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Jake Gensel, 27 goals. At- did we, did we get that wrong? Did, uh-huh. did we get that wrong? Here's another one. that's at least, at least, at least we did it with solidarity. Here's another one. that's clouded by injury is the Justin Schultz, seven goals. That's a tough one. And he ends with two. Yeah. Or missed pretty much the entire year. So Chris Letang, 10 goals. We all said over yet 16. Chris Letang, 53 points. Y'all said under, and he got 56. Um, in the ballpark, Oli though, Mata, in the ballpark. <laughs> Oli Mata, another another injury one, uh, 28 points. You both said under. I said over. Um, 13 was the final number. Yeah, I think, Phil, if he, I think if he had been healthy, it would have been close. Yeah, yeah. Phil Kessel, 75 points. You both said over. Uh, it was 82. Um, Bang. Cut it a little close, though. Yeah. Was, <laughs> um, Sidney Crosby, 51 assists. I claim the lone victory on this. Uh, 65 was the total. I was the only one that went over. Uh, Penguins, 103 points. Uh, we all said over, uh, and it was 100. If the uh, if the six-on-five goals hadn't happened, we probably would have hit the over. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, the two Philadelphia games alone have put them to 102. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. There's got to be another one in there somewhere. So do we- One of those games against the Sharks. <laughs> Is that that's all of them. So, um, do we want to talk a little more about Jake Gensel, or have we beat that horse to death? I think it's great. I mean, he's he's, he's a forty goal scorer, and and thank God they signed that contract when they did. Yeah, I mean, imagine what he's going to cost if, if. I mean, okay, if they hadn't, what's it? Another million on the another million per year? Maybe two. Yeah, maybe I, two. I think I think just because, and I said this to a coworker. You hit that 40-goal plateau, and it doesn't matter if you do it again or not. It follows you forever. Yeah. James Neal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, that's just a massive part of this playoff series for me is, is you know, the Islanders looking to take space away in the middle and Jake Gensel's ability to find it and Sidney Crosby's ability, ability to find him. and Yeah. Jared McCann's ability to do just whatever the hell it is Jared McCann's doing. <laughs> it's working. Um, so I just, you know, again, if they can trap that that, that top line of the Islanders in uh, the defensive zone, it's going to be trouble. Yeah, and I think that's, like we said, like I said earlier, with if they do that third line of Hornquist, Bugstad, uh, Simone, that's, I think they can. Yeah, it's like if, you, if, you're, if you're able to neutralize that top line, even if you're your second line is playing against their second or vice versa. You have a talent overload yeah. th- throughout the rest of the lineup. 
Mike, you want to uh, give us a rehashing of the uh, Thomas Grice quote from 2015? Yeah, yeah. I, f- I find this interesting because do we really know who's going to be playing for them in net yet? Uh, I would imagine it's Robin Lehner. That, that's what I assume. He started seven out of the last ten. Yeah. That, um, that was the other thing, Mike, not to cut you off on this, that uh, to kind of go back to what Jesse said about the um, people saying, oh, they the, the the Islanders have the distinct advantage in goal. For the majority of the year, they're going goaltending by committee. That's that's not how a contender plays. It's just not. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's... So we don't really... I, I assume it's going to be Leonard, but with a team who's playing two goaltenders throughout the year, they basically split games down the middle. You, you have a series where... Two bad games lead to the other guy coming in, vice versa. Um, this was in 2015 when Thomas Grice left the Penguins to sign with the Islanders. It was fun to play here, talking about New York, especially coming from Pittsburgh. It's pretty dead there, referring to, at the time, Console Energy Center. That was from Islanders Insights. So I think it would be pretty amusing if he gets gets in net in Pittsburgh and, and get a taste of that crowd. Yeah. Never forget. All right. Uh, do we want to predict the rest of the NHL? Yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Washington, Carolina. Oh, boy, it's a toughie. Oh. This is a toughie. It's Washington, but I don't think it's as easy for them as everyone expects. I'm going, I'm going Carolina in seven. Oh, boy. You know what? I love a spicy meatball. I'm going against my better judgment and saying Carolina. The thing that gives me that gives me pause on picking Carolina simply is goaltending. I know. I gotta take I gotta yeah. take the team with yeah. be. Uh Tampa Columbus. Tam- Tampa. 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 Which four. Nah, it's not, I don't think it's a sweep. I think Col- I think Columbus I think Tampa gets the gentleman's sweep five. Ah. And and, and the thing that, that kind of sucks but is also great because it's Columbus and a division rival is this does kind of justify everything they did. They did Like, well, you know, we did everything right, but we just ran into Tampa. Yep. Uh, Mike, you got Tampa? I do. All right. Boston, Toronto. Ooh, it's a thigh rubber. We got a proper thigh rubber here. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Toronto can beat them. Neither do I. They, they don't match up well. I don't know what it is. They, I, they just can't do it. In a seven-game series, that's the kicker here. I yeah. mean, I can see Toronto winning two do we, do we out get of three. A, do we get another Bruins over Leafs in seven? It's definitely going to go seven in my gut. I just I, – I know this is going to be a long one, and some dumb shit's going to happen. <laughs> everybody's going to be pissed off for nine months. It's never going to stop getting brought up. Um, I'm going Boston in seven. Same. All right. I think Pat. I think this is the year Toronto does it. Whew. Spicy. I, seven games. Yeah, it's going to go six or seven. You, you know what? Okay. What get what what gives me more confidence in Toronto is that they pushed a very similar Bruins team last year to seven games 
And not to mention had a lead going into the third period in Game 7 against those Bruins. The Bruins are largely the same. Toronto added John Tavares. And I don't see Nazem Kadri getting suspended again. Spin zone. Toronto's goaltending is not very good. I think it's... And Freddie, Freddie Anderson took a little knock in Game 82 and didn't come out of the game either. You know what? I still think it's. I think this is. Okay. I think this you gotta is. Stand, but you're gonna stick with your guns. You gotta stick with your guns. I, I can respect not, not flipping on it. Yeah. Moving out west, Calgary, Colorado. Calgary, 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 six. Yeah, five or six. San Jose, Vegas. This is a toughie. This is a. You know what? This is a thigh rubber. This is a Western I, Conference I, thigh rubber. I call it a coin flip. You call it a thigh rubber. <laughs> I, I can't wait for this one. This is going to be so much fun. And, th- and series like this remind me of why the first round is so great when you shut your game off and then you turn on a West Coast game immediately after. Oh, by the way, if you uh, seeded all eight West Conference teams, one through eight, you get the same matchups. Pour one out for the people crying about the playoff format. Um, I predicted san jose last year and they obviously lost same i am gonna go with vegas go vegas in seven seven games for vegas i hate to do it but i'm gonna do it taking san jose and you know why and i'm gonna i hope i don't have people in my mentions for this it's one on one off for the man between the pipes for vegas and he was on last year He's due to be off for one. Okay. Fair. Uh, Nashville, Dallas. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, there's something to be said for a team in Dallas that has a hot goaltender in Bishop. And I don't think he's the type of goalie that could steal, like, more than one series. But he played really well down the stretch, and I think that's going to aid them in making this more of a series than it should be. By the way, do you think uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn ever got an apology from that <laughs> shithead team president? Of course not. They think that's the reason yeah. it turned around. Yeah. They're high-fiving each other in a dark room somewhere. <laughs> um, all right. The last one's the toughest. One of the uh, toughest. I, uh, I've gone back and forth on this. Die rubber. St. Louis and Winnipeg. It's I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride the uh, Bennington train in St. Louis. I'm taking St. Louis, and I'm not even saying seven. I think it's gonna only be in six. Yeah, I, I got to go with St. Louis here, just because for the last three, four months of the year, Winnipeg looked average, just painfully average. Yep. Below average, really. Yeah, they they fluctuated between average and below average. Yikes. All right. um, Drop them beats. All right. uh, Let's see here. First question from D. Coulter. Over under on how many goals Tom Kuhnhackle will score in this series. Did she give us a number? He did not. I'll place the over under at one. 
Push. Yeah, push. I think he, he's going to have one goal that's just going to piss us all off. Shorthanded. Like uh, like the 2016 goal against the Capitals where it went in off his shoulder. Yeah, it'll be it'll be something goofy. Um, oh, another over-under question from Ben Montgomery. Over-under, I, I believe this is aimed at me, of how many mojitos will we drink this upcoming playoff season? Yeah, I'll say that's got to be you because I'm not a big mojito guy. Um, as soon as I get some fresh mint and I'm game. Oh, it's going down. I will mash the over, whatever the over is. <laughs> put it that way. It's going down. Settle down. Uh, Settle down, young jock. <laughs> From Candace Woods, what adjustments, if any, do you think Sullivan needs to make in order to beat Trots and the Islanders? None. Do what you're doing. Doing what you're doing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> It ain't broke. Don't try to fix it. Uh, question from Ian. He has two. Actually, uh, looks like three. <laughs> uh, they're, they're very brief. The numbers uh, cast. First, biggest upset in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, we went with that. I mean, it's not really an upset, but St. Louis over Winnipeg. Yeah. Carolina, too. Some people said Carolina. Two, can the Avalanche surprise the Flames? No. No. Can Columbus surprise Tampa? No. no. I agree with all of the above. I do think it'll get a little spicy down in Florida if maybe Columbus takes one of the first two games. Oh, speaking of Florida, Coach Q. Yeah. Well, yeah. New man in town. Shout out to uh, Chuck Fletcher in Philadelphia, not even checking with him about hiring him. Wait, really? Pairing, uh, according to Sam Karshidi today, yes. Wow, I figured they'd be one of the I, main suitors. It was at, at a at a press conference. He said he never even inquired. So I guess Scott Gordon's staying. I don't know. Mike Yo, uh, baby. No, uh, oh, I got I got a dark horse for you on them. Dan Bilesma. Uh, question from Aaron Feathers. How many times are we going to hear about David Volek during this series? Oh, my God. One too many. I was uh, – yeah, I have, I have too many is my answer. You know what? I'm not even going to answer that. I'm just going to uh, go positive. Uh, shout out Rossi today on The Athletic for his oral history of Penguins versus Islanders. That was a good read. More of a written history. Well, he, talk, he <laughs> talked to everybody, so oral history. <laughs> okay. Uh, question from Zayad. Do you prefer the AT&T broadcast or the NBC broadcast? Depends. I'm like, I love Doc Enric. No, no disrespect to Mirzi, who's great. Love Mirzi. But Doc Enric's just classic. Yeah. But then you got to deal with the intermission. I got a mute button, baby. Yeah, I got a mute button and a cell phone. I don't need to watch the intermission. True. And... And you know what? Similar, similar thing. Shout out Bob Cole called his final game. Oh man, part of my childhood died. Um, Down goes Brown on the Athletic had a great piece on Bob Cole. Gotta mm-hmm. read that. And I mean, he brought up his first point was absolutely spot on. Is that there? There are too many people, especially on the national level today, that are way too focused on not appearing biased towards one side or the other. The thing that 
people forget is guys like Bob Cole and Doc Emmerich have a genuine love and appreciation for the sport, and it comes through on all of their broadcasts. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was going to add was, um, if we're talking about this series specifically, the NBC games for the Penguins are going to be with Kenny Albert and Brian Boucher. I like Kenny Albert. No, Doc. And I, I think Brian Boucher is one of the under... under <laughs> Are you okay? Oh, we gotta cut this. We gotta cut the seventh baseball game. One of the catcher just got hit in the nose. <laughs> I say we leave this in. Yeah, we're leaving that in. <laughs> right in the nuts. Classic, classic slapstick humor here on the show. I looked up at the TV and he was laying on the ground holding himself. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help it. All right. Um. I was going to say, I think Brian Boucher is one of the more underrated color commentators. Yeah. 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 And you know who I miss that NBC doesn't have anymore is, um, oh shit. I've just lost his name. He does caps games. Uh, Ben and Adi. He had the call for the, uh, Evgeny Malkin backhand goal against Carolina. Yeah. That great call. All right. What else? Uh, Yeah. Gliz has a long question here. <clears throat> I believe the Iron Throne will be melted slash disposed of by the end of Game of Thrones, okay. and, and a new governing body will rule Westeros. But if that doesn't happen, and you had to choose between Cersei ending up on top and still sitting on the throne, or the Night King winning, who do you take? This is like asking me to like pick between two STDs. I'll go Night King, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, because I mean, really, Cersei is loathsome. Loathsome. Okay, Mark asks for a bold prediction for this year's playoff run. He says his gut is saying Dom Simone scores an overtime game winner at some point. I got Jack Johnson down for a series winning goal. If I have to pick something spicy. And to cycle it back to um, Penguins Islanders history. So you're you're looking at that as like a Brooks Orpik overtime winner. Yeah. 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 May as well make it an overtime one. I'm going to go Brian Rust in a game seven again. That's what he does. Um, whew, that's tough. See, I want to say something with Matt Cullen, but he's consistently pretty good in the postseason with the Penguins, so that's not that bold. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Um, okay, I got one. Eric Goodbranson's going to do something huge. All right. Probably going to probably gonna beat the piss out of Kyle Clutterbuck. That's going to be a matchup to watch, man. <clears throat> or Matt Martin. Yeah, that, that entire third line. Or fourth, fourth line. line. Fourth line. Well, I mean, come on. The, the New York Islanders are the best fourth line roster in the league. Imagine Teddy Bluger out there against that line. <laughs> I'm just going to drop the Harlem Globetrotters music right there. Uh, Mark did have a follow-up question. What is your favorite movie that everyone else hates? See, I have an answer to this, but it's, it has an asterisk. Okay, hit me. It's Blues Brothers 2000, but it's only for the soundtrack. The movie's awful. The soundtrack is really good. 
Um, I don't know if I have an answer. Man, I just remember loving Napoleon Dynamite and so many people hating it. Really? I thought that was pretty, like, socially accepted for, like, a year. A lot of my friends could not stand it. I had a vote for Pedro shirt. Um, I'm leaning towards... I was I was very into um, the day after tomorrow because I enjoy weather, even though it was very fake. Yeah. I don't know if that was a good answer or not. That counts. <clears throat> uh, Kate asks, what are your favorite parts about playoff hockey, and do you have any superstitions you carry out during them? I am I kind not of alluded- going to talk oh. about my superstitions. <laughs> okay. I don't really – I kind of – I kind of alluded to my favorite part. It's the first round with uh, three, four games on every night. Yeah, that's, that's great. It is great. Yeah, I think the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is, you know, everybody says the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best tournament in sports, but I think that it's really more the first round. The first round. Yeah, especially especially when you get like, a, like an upset game in overtime, what comes to mind Right away is the double overtime Leafs Caps game a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, and and it's you know every team's a lot fresher. Um, you haven't gone through the slog yet. Everybody is for the most part healthy. You know you have teams that have a chip on their shoulder that think they have a chance to go further than they do, and they end up surprising somebody. And it's just it, it, it's. The playoffs become more of a slog in the second and third and fourth rounds. In the first yeah. round, is just it, it's complete chaos, and I love every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, Morgan asks if you could describe your golf game in three words. What would they be? Absolute total bullshit. I'm gonna go with bad, embarrassing, yet fun. Not good. Bad. <laughs> I should have gone with that. Okay. Got a several layer question here from Laura. Like onions. First off, who was the biggest surprise for the Penguins this year, positive or negative? Uh, Jared McCann, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to uh, small sample size. Eric Goodbranson, positive. Marcus Patterson. Yeah, that's good, too. Okay, so now she's asking for answers to Jim Rutherford trades. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Favorite is the Bugstad-McCann move. I'm I'm going to go Kessel. Oh, you mean, like, overall? Uh, I'm, I'm, assu- I'm assuming this is overall. Overall, it's daily for Skidari. That's um, that's too many for me to name my, f- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. See, see, that's where I land on overrated. Cause I feel like his trades are rated properly good or bad. Horn Chris Hornquist is underrated. Yeah. That, that really did change like the entire makeup and culture of the roster. I think the Benino trade underrated too. 
Yeah, Sutter for Benino. I'll take that. Sutter for yeah. Benino was gigantic. Uh, least favorite, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, no question. Yep. <clears throat> Although I understood it at the time, even though it was stupid. Um, I think that's all I got. Let me double check here. Yeah. All right. I'm going to plug my series preview. It's going to be up shortly after this podcast is released on theathletic.com. The series preview will be on theathletic.com, not this podcast. Right. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that, Patrick. Anybody? I, uh, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have nothing to plug. Well, when this, All right. when this podcast comes out, me and Mike will be golfing. This is I'll true. tell you what. We uh we're planning on doing a post game show soon. Yes. Can't say for sure when yet. Some of us we have lives, okay, people. <laughs> we're not we're not here for your sheer amusement. <laughs> spitting spitting hot takes fresh out of the oven as soon as the game ends. All right. Well, enjoy episode twenty six, and uh, we will be chatting with you soon. Enjoy game one. See you guys.